the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome to The Common Good on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We're glad you're joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. Man, it hasn't stopped raining in like four days. I laughed when I saw it over the weekend because I'm like, we got to talk about the weather. We got to talk about the weather. I thought my house was going to float away yesterday. Yeah, my garage flooded twice. Like flooded, flooded, or like annoying little bit of water in there? Because mine mine always gets the annoying water in there. But It does? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was about an inch of standing water. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, oh, is that normal? I'm a new homeowner. I don't know. No, I don't think it's normal. I think okay. it's a flaw in my house as well because my house was built with a driveway that goes down Mine at too. a 45 degree angle straight uh. into the garage with like one drain and like an old sump pump. And you're like, so and when it rains, it just, just comes rushing. Yeah, the, in there. so the drain is like the size of a small cookie. And if like one like we leaf have the same is out of it, <laughs> do we live together? <laughs> <laughs> it is so crazy. It's so funny you bring that up because yesterday I was in there just clearing leaves, and then uh, more would come in, and I'm clearing leaves. There's people out there going, "There's ways you could fix this." I you know. know. I don't know what those ways are. I don't either. Here's the thing that kept popping into my mind because it really is one leaf can screw up the whole thing. So I'm out there and I got you know screaming kids, and I run out, and I know that certain people in the neighborhood know that I'm a pastor. And the whole time I'm like, just don't swear out loud. Like, don't. I'm like clearing the, all the debris. Yeah, in your head, that's already Keep happening it underneath, yeah. but not out loud. Well, I'm like, come on, man. There's people with their windows open. Keep it under wraps. Yeah. It's not my proudest moment. Yeah, it's a couple of years ago. There was an overnight where it got like you, you can. Re- I forget it was in an April, and it was like five inches of rain in like Ugh. the span of like four hours. And our whole basement area. It's not like a basement, like. The living, the family room, like the second family room is below ground, you know? And so uh, it flooded, like to the point where we had to get all ripped up and Ugh. probably kind of call Fox Restoration. <laughs> <laughs> you really should have. But it was, uh, it was crazy. Now, every time it rains hard, I freak out. Ever, it's like yep. ever since that day, I just freak out. So this has just been nuts. But the weekend was okay. My my kid had a had a baseball tournament. They won the championship and ready for proud dad moment. You ready? He hit yes. his he hit his first over the fence home run yeah. on Friday night. Got the ball. It was awesome. It was really fun. Oh, he got to keep the ball. Oh yeah. Whenever any kid hits a home run, they give him the ball. And so this was one of those traveling tournaments, and they won. And it was uh and it you know you thought it was going to get rained out all weekend, but then it kept being nice. So it was good. That's odd. Was he surprised by the home run? Like, do you remember the look on his face? He had a big grin while yeah. circling, and, and his team, uh, you know, they don't hit many home runs, and so right. uh, he got it opposite field, and it was 
what what they do is when they circle the bases, all the kids come running out of the dugout and they all like they've got like this celebration where like the kid comes. It's really cute. It's really funny. When the kid hits home plate, they all fall over like their bowling (laughs) pins. And so he knew it was coming. So he had this big grin on his face as he was rounding third. Because how old is your boy? Uh, he is 11. So an over-the-fence home run yeah, for yeah, 11, yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah, right? he got it. He got it. He, If, if you know me, I'm, I'm kind of smaller in stature, and somehow I have like a son who keeps being bigger than most of the kids in his grade. I keep telling him, your genetics are going to get you. <laughs> yeah, right. And then he just keeps Enjoy being bigger. Enjoy so. you can, man. <laughs> so it was really fun. It was fun to be out and play baseball, watch baseball and hang out with kids. What did you do this weekend? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> Besides moving leaves off your drain. <laughs> and, and quietly cursing to myself. Um, we honestly, we, we spent a lot of time just going for walks. And we're trying to get ready for a garage sale. And try and be the operative Because you don't have enough going on I, in your yeah, life right, right. now. right. Well, because we have so much stuff still from the move a year and a half ago. There's a big neighborhood garage sale coming up. Yep. And uh, we're like, oh, we should be a part. That'd be a cool way to like interact with the neighborhood. And we head to, headed to the garage. And within like a half hour, we're like, this is stupid. Let's just give all this away. Why are we doing this? If you want to just come to our house the next week or so, we'll just give you whatever's in the garage. Yeah. There's like that in between now. Because my wife will sell a bunch of stuff on, on like Facebook or online. Yeah. And, but then I'm always, I'm like you, I'm just in the end like, let's just get rid of it. Yeah, set it on fire. Like, <laughs> you really want to take the time to have to do that. So it's always fun to have Memorial Day weekend. And obviously we know it is, uh, the purpose of Memorial Day weekend is to remember uh, um, those soldiers who have died in battle. And we want to uh, acknowledge that and remember. And I was helping my kids yesterday. I was like, what's the difference between Memorial Day, Veterans Day? And they, they kind of knew it. It was good. They did. Awesome. And, and so, but it did get me thinking beyond what the holiday is about. It got me thinking about this concept as Christians, uh, especially uh, of remembering and the importance of remembering and that we're not very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that we're, if you're like me, I'm constantly looking forward uh, and you probably even get it now with uh, your oldest kid getting older and older and older. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, this is moving fast. And if you're not careful, you just are constantly moving on to the next thing and not remembering. And I think with remembering comes thankfulness. And then we take it into the spiritual realm with Jesus saying, you know, do this in remembrance of me. Remember this. There's a lot of remembering going on throughout scripture. So curious your your thoughts on the just the discipline of uh, of remembering i've never really heard it thought of it as a discipline but it really is yeah so if you remember when we had uh, casey tiger on the show he mm-hmm. he wrote a book called as i recall which, right. is, which is all about the discipline of memories and uh it's brilliant i mean it's a really brilliant read he he goes a couple of different directions i would never even think to go I, I think one of the, because you mentioned just a second ago that remembering leads to thankfulness. And I don't think that's always the case. I think for some True. people, if you're talking memory as a whole, um, the reason some people maybe don't remember certain stories, specifically maybe even with regards to Memorial Day, is that it's still very, very Pain. painful. Yeah. And it's one of the things, you know, we both talk about being words guys. Like, um, it seems like a small thing, but like we, we're always encouraging like our community to not say happy Memorial Day mm. because it's a memorial. And yep. that's like our impulse. Like, oh, it's a holiday. So happy Memorial Day for, for us, at least it's not just the, the pausing, but it's also the grieving. And yeah. that is whether, regardless of what your political theological bent is to still pause and grieve and mourn and to know that you're a stone's throw away from many people who are feeling the day in a very different way than that's you are. True. And uh, I think for me, what's what's tough is because I've I've never served, but I have a number of friends who have, 
And even their experience is very different. So when you ask them to tell the stories of what they saw, mm. even that question about memory for them, I can see it in their eyes as a totally different Monday. Memorial Day is a very different experience. Well, for a lot of us, it's Frisbees and barbecues. Yep. For a lot of guys, it's like, I can't even leave my house. Like yeah. it's, it's still that visual, really? you know? So that, that, that's, that to me is the uniqueness of, of memory that as we all pause and grieve and, and also out of gratitude, like with communion, we've had that discussion. Communion, we celebrate communion, but also to some degree there's a good Friday feel to that too, yes. though. There is some mourning and grieving as well. And I think it's both, it's, it's both sides of the same coin. And yeah. that's, that's, that's tough to, that's a tough needle to thread. I think. Yeah. I know one of the struggles in my life is, and we've talked about this before is not slowing down to appreciate what's happening in the present or what's just happened. Right. Everything's about like, okay, you know, my wife and I sit down and talk like, what's your week look like? What's your week look like? Let's talk about yes. this week. Let's talk about the summer. Everything's future oriented. And then, you know, not to be too melodramatic, but it's like then your kids, it's like I'm singing, you know, uh, butterfly kisses in my head or cats in the cradle or something. But uh, but then your kids, you know, all the one minute they're five years old and next minute they're 15. And you're like, what just happened? Yeah, and, right. And I think that's a real tendency in our lives. I think, too, for Memorial Day specifically, and I know that you're talking memories mm-hmm. more broadly, but for me, it, it they need to hold hands, not just with this remembering and grieving, but also working toward a future where war is not good. a thing anymore. Like how can I, in my own small ways, stop the myth of redemptive violence or to stop this idea of retaliation and the biggest will always crush out the smallest. And I think, I think that that for me is always kind of the weird balance with the day mm-hmm. is like remembering and grieving and also saying, what, what are the ways that I can help restore God's stream for the world going forward? And that's uh I mean, that's no easy task obviously, but it's an important question. I think, that the holiday kind of presents to us. That's absolutely true. Well, you're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Coming up next, uh, we're going to talk about a baseball player who passed away, a former baseball player passed away over the weekend uh, and the complexities of his memory and what's happening uh, now that he's passed away that may not have happened while he was alive. We're going to talk about that next on The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. There's a shot deep toward right field. Washington back, and Washington can't get it. The ball is loose. Washington is into the stands. Buckner is around second base. He is headed for home, and he's going to have it inside the park. Home run. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Ian Simpkins. Uh, my name is Brian Fromm. As an aside, it's just fun to hear baseball calls like on the radio. Oh, like, I totally I agree. Love it. It's I the totally sound agree. of summer. Uh but that was a call of an inside-the-park home run from the career of Bill Buckner. And if you saw the news over the weekend, Bill Buckner, uh, former uh, Dodger, former Cub, former Red Sox, uh, died after some years of battling dementia, uh, Louis body dementia, at the age of 69. Uh, so he passed away yesterday. And with, the, uh, with his passing, there was this large outpouring. In fact, on my way here today, I was listening to... Uh, some sports radio, and they were talking about him and the kind of the complexity of his memory. And here's what makes it complex. Bill Buckner, by all statistical uh, analysis, had an unbelievably successful Major League Baseball career. Yes, yes. Uh, He played all the way from the late 60s. He's the only guy to ever play in the uh, the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. I think he retired in 90 or 91. Wow. Uh, He won a batting title. He was an all-star. Uh, he had 2,751 hits, uh, which is uh, 
if he were playing today, I believe would put him up in the top five of all active players in hits. Like this was no small player. Right. Bill Buckner was a great player. Uh, Bill Buckner is also known for uh, his worst moment. He's probably best known for his worst moment. So if you're not a baseball fan, it goes like this. Bill Buckner was the starting first baseman, one of the best players on the 1986 uh, Boston Red Sox. And the Boston Red Sox uh, made it to the World Series. And they played the New York Mets, who, all cards on the table, is my favorite team. (laughs) So I have a great memory of the 1986 World Series. Uh, The Red Sox are up three games to two, so you got to win four games to win the series. They're up three games to two. They get to game six at Shea Stadium, goes to extra innings, and the Red Sox go up two runs. And so they're going to win their first World Series since 1918. Uh, And interestingly, every game leading up to that, that manager, John McNamara, had pulled Bill Buckner uh, for a defensive replacement because Buckner was older, had bad ankles, but he left him in, most people believe, because he wanted him to experience winning a World Series, being on the field. Right. And... um, the Mets have two outs, nobody on, and it turns into one of the most miraculous comebacks. Three straight hits, a wild pitch, ties the game. A lot of people forget Buckner's error comes with a tie game, not losing. Right. And uh, Mookie Wilson up, hits a slow roller, goes through Bill Buckner's legs. Uh, the Mets win. There's still game seven to be played the right. next night. Right. The Red Sox have a 3 nothing lead in that game. Mets come back, win the World Series. Uh, I was saying... Literally, it used to be in my office. Now it's in my son's room. I have an autographed picture of the ball going through Bill Buckner's legs. Oh, gosh. I have uh, autographed by Mookie Wilson and Bill Buckner. Uh, oh, they and, both autographed. Well, that, that's what Bill Buckner ends up doing after <laughs> retirement. He kind of embraced this moment. Him and Mookie Wilson would travel around, talk about it, autograph. He ends up profiting a lot off about it. Hmm. But here's what I want to bring up for you. That's all background to say this is a highly accomplished baseball player. Yeah. He's not just a you know an average baseball player. Right. But for the last 20 years of his life, anytime anybody says the name Bill Buckner, they bring up the ball going through his legs in the 1986 World of, Series. Of course. So then he dies yesterday, and there is this outpouring of baseball guys going. He needs to be known more than for this error, right. for his worst moment. And they start talking about his accomplishments. And there was part of me that thought that was really nice. Like, okay, that's great. Help him. But like a week ago, if you brought up the name <laughs> Bill Buckner, what these guys would have talked about was the error. It's like upon death, they went, well, maybe we shouldn't have known him for his worst thing. Yeah, right. But that this guy lived the last 25 years of his life, the last 30 years of his life being defined. Yep. By his worst moment. And so there's a lot to digest there, and there's a lot of of takeaways from that. But I'm curious your thought process uh, about this guy who was known for his worst moment, even though he had a life full of accomplishments. Yeah, and I mean, first off, 69 is too young, mm-hmm. right? Like that that part of the story is, you know, dementia and family yeah, and grandkids. And I mean, not all it is, it is just sad. I want to make sure that we're like giving that its due mm-hmm. weight like that. Baseball player aside, that's just uh, that's heartbreaking. But you're right. I, you bring up a really interesting point because on one hand, I am I'm grateful. I think for the turnaround that sometimes someone passing does to those who are left. Like, oh man, maybe we, maybe we shouldn't have been doing this. But you're you're spot on. I think though, and kind of poking the bear a little bit. Like, yeah, but why? Why couldn't we have done that while he was living? Why couldn't we have expanded? Yeah. You know, his uh, his social identity. You know, I, I heard a preacher years ago say something like. You are far more than your best or worst moments. Yeah. And because I think it can go both ways. It yep. could be, you know, 
a ball into the leg for the rest of your lives, or it could be the, you know the kid that never moves past his senior year varsity jacket. You know, you're like, hey man, you're 53. It's time to. You know what I mean, like, <laughs> you are far more yes. than your best or worst moments. And and we'll, you know, you and I will never have anything on that kind of stage. Like I I think through what were the seconds after that moment like for him. Were those the worst moments, or was it when he saw the first news report, or when he's like that? Just I mean, I can imagine that just building on itself, and that could really mess with, particularly an athlete's psyche, right? Absolutely, that, that has got to really poke at your confidence. And uh, I mean, they talk about the yips being this phenomenon yeah, that we still don't know anything about, really, uh, medically speaking. But I, I think I'm grateful that there has been this like stepping back. And saying, okay, maybe maybe we were too hard on him, or maybe he was, you know, we should have been known more for this. But like the thing that challenges me is, who am I doing that to? Yeah, exactly. That I have no idea if I or they are guaranteed another day. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we wait till funerals to say, oh, maybe we shouldn't have been so hard on exactly. him? Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, it bums me out that it takes things like that for us to kind of snap out of our sleepwalking state. And I think, I think that's too bad. Like it happened in 1986. Buckner, he does talk about the fact that he ended up, he was seen as the goat of the 86 series, which wasn't fair. Right. But you know, these team hadn't won since 1918. And so the fans were terrible to him. They were bad. Sure of it. And, And eventually they welcome him back to Fenway park. He throws out the first pitch. People have been showing that he's crying. It's all this stuff. But what you don't realize, or maybe you don't think about, that was in 2008. So yes. 1986 to 2008 is a long time he moved away from New England. Like uh-huh. He had to live with this. A lot of us in the Chicagoland area, it's comparable in some ways to the Steve Bartman story. Right. And like I, I like the way you put that, that we're not defined by our worst moment. But oftentimes... We wait until people are gone to like read, relook at their lives and yeah. go, oh, maybe we weren't fair. Right. Maybe we, we should have cut this guy a break. And right. I, I had that feeling yesterday. And it's been weird listening to the radio stuff or other stuff because you were like, man, I bet you he would have liked to have heard this kind of stuff in mm. 1990 or something. Right, right. Well, not even just in the player sense, right? 174 homers, more than 2,000 career hits, more than 1,000 runs. Like, just at the player level, he was more than that. But he also had a personhood. Yeah. Like, he had a humanness yeah. to him. And I think the the thing that always impresses me about the athletes with the most grounded sense of identity is that even when they face, like, catastrophic career failures, like, yeah, that bummed me out, but that's a small part of my life. Yep. <laughs> like, like, me, me yep. being a football player, baseball player, like, I care a lot about it, and I dry and I want to be great, but ultimately, my wife loves me just as much. My yep. kids still think I'm great. You know what I mean? Like, there is a... There's there's a reason that's inspiring to us, um, and maybe it's not inspiring to everybody. Maybe maybe people want you know. Sometimes people are kind of out for blood. Yeah, but yeah. What a good reminder, even for pastors, because I mean, maybe not to that level, but we've had we've talked about this. There's been Sundays where you you walk off the stage, you're like, that was not my best. <laughs> <laughs> and you not can, sure I helped you anyone can, today. Right, you can really get in your own head and remember that we are far more than our best or worst moments. Yeah, that's a that's a good takeaway there, and I, I think that's why I wanted to bring it up is just to say. What is it that defines us? What is it that defines us? And I'm not saying Bill Buckner himself became defined by that, but people's perception of him right. and how they treated him was defined by that one moment. And man, if we could, if we all were defined by our worst moment, that would be that in some ways would be a terrible existence. Although he seems to 
it is inspiring. You read the stories of after that, and he seems to have really embraced it and done well with himself. So, again, you bring up a good point. It, at first, is a human story, a, tri- a, a sad story of somebody right. dying younger than most people should, uh, but also causes us to think about what is it that defines us. Well, coming up next, uh, we're going to try to give a more global view of what's going on with Christianity around the world and try to wake us up a little bit to that. Uh, that's what's coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, alongside Ian Simpkins. We're glad that you're joining us on this Tuesday. Hope that you had a good Memorial Day weekend, as we talked about in the first segment. Hopefully, it was also a time to ponder and to think and to reflect upon what that holiday is actually all about. And then every now and then, uh, one of the things that we often talk about on the show, you and I do, is uh, that it can become easy to become just American Christians. It can become easy to live in a bubble that just says, um, you know what, this is all that there is out there. And even we'll do stories about religious freedom and about uh, whether or not Christians in our country are facing persecution or uh, what? How to even define the pushback? And every now and then we got to pull back the curtain and kind of look more globally. Uh, and with that in mind, I read an article this week that really shook me and really shook me just by the headline. And the headline read that reads this: Iraq's Christians quote close to extinction. Wow. Uh, the Archbishop of Erbil, if I'm saying that correctly, the capital of Iraqi Kurdistan, uh, basically came out this week and said. Uh, that Christianity in Iraq is just dwindling away. He says, Christianity in Iraq, one of the oldest churches, if not the oldest church in the world, is perilously close to extinction. And listen to this phrase. Those of us who remain must be ready to face martyrdom. Wow. And I'm wondering, as you read that, what is your initial response? And then maybe spin it to what should the response be for those of us here on the, in the West, in America, who this isn't uh, our reality? Well, the, the first thing it makes me think, even hearing you read that, is that I've never sat in a pew and heard a pastor say anything even close to that to me. Yes. Ever. Not even close. I've never once heard a, uh, a college president, a pastor a bishop, uh, anybody say, hey, um, if you're going to remain in this country, just just know, prepare for this. So yes. like that alone is sort of haunting just to realize the disparity between other Christians experience in the world and mine. And we talked a little bit last week, I think, about the, uh, you know, the persecution machine and mm-hmm. some, of the, some of the ways that we do sometimes tend to. I don't know, maybe make bigger cases out of what it looks like to be persecuted in the West, particularly in the United States. Um, I'm not I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but there there is something really humbling about reading something like this in black and white and and kind of realizing again what I've all I mean, I've always known that our experience of the Christian faith across the globe is very, very diverse, Mm -hmm. very, very different. And I mean, the first response I think should be obvious is to pray. Mm-hmm. Right. But how often even in our own, we're pastors, like we're, we're responsible for a lot of what happens on a Sunday morning. Right. How often are we even dedicating real estate to pray for the global church mm-hmm. and not just in like a nice general sense, but like people who are being martyred yeah. for the same faith we share right here in Donner's Grove yep. and in Naperville, you know, like it, it is so easy for that to become like an out of sight, out of mind. And then you watch a blurb on the news and you're like, Oh my gosh, yep. that is 
horrific and so different from my experience. You know, how do you how do you live in this? Okay, let's keep this in the forefront, but not. You can also get really weighed down by that too. I think, and I think that that can be unhelpful. But maybe maybe we uh, we run from things that weigh us down a little bit because it's it's not quite our experience. We don't know what to do with it in our brains. I'm not yeah. I'm not sure there. Yeah, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I literally read this to our congregation on Sunday, and we spent That's time awesome. praying. That's awesome, and it is awesome. It's also literally the first time I've ever done it. Mm. So when you say how often do we do it, I'm like, what? <laughs> Every nine years, and you know these stories they can become overwhelming. Yes, uh, but as I said to our church on Sunday, I said, you know what? One of the things this reminds me of is like when we say Iraqi Christians. What we are, you know, that can feel so distant and disconnected, but it's really Iraqi brothers and sisters. Like, yes, right. These are people we are going to be spending eternity with. These are people who are worshiping the same Lord and Savior. Like these are biblically speaking brothers and sisters. And it does make me think like if my actual brother and sister was overseas facing stuff, I'd be like, whoa, like I'd I'd be, you know, on my knees and this and that. And, you know, I get it. Like my own life. Uh, the things that take up the vast majority of my mental space are the things that, you know, are my actual family, that my church. Uh, and then, you know, the rest gets filled with like maybe our country stuff mm. going on around here. It's hard to, th- you know, Iraq is the other side of the world. Right. Or there, this article goes on to talk about the Middle East, and it says it's a mixed picture for Christians in 2019, that it's all not bad. There are things going around um that that are doing well over there. Um, but then it talks about Egypt and the Copts, C-O-P-T-S, uh, that they're facing an enormous amount of persecution right now. Their churches are being bombed and right. uh, the jihadists are attempting to drive them out of the northern Sinai. And, and so it's just you read this stuff. Like you said, it can become really overwhelming, but at the very least, it's got to drive us to prayer. Uh, and and just I think it's just as to we have to allow it to remind us that this is going on around the world. Yeah. I think that is, I mean, that is sort of a theme for today's show actually is the significance of remembering because Mm -hmm. uh, our brains are predisposed to just jump onto the next thing. And um, I think there is good evidence to support that there is an important element that distraction plays that Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't ever just watch an episode of the office just to like turn your brain <laughs> off. Like I'm not saying, Hey, we need yeah. to live in grief and weep every single day. But the more that Which you've said, like this, you struggle with, like, I totally I've, do. Yeah. My, my thing is forgetfulness. We've talked about, like, mm. I don't really mm. kind of read an article like this and move on. Yeah, and yours right. is kind of the opposite. Sometimes you can be so weighed down. That yeah. Right. Nothing, nothing can seem, nothing can seem good around you. Right. And the irony is I think we both probably maybe struggle with forgetfulness, mm-hmm. but like in the present, just deal with, tragedy and heartache in different ways and and neither are wrong necessarily yep. uh we need each other to balance that I, it's, I, it's why i think the community of believers is so important because it kind of helps center everybody but um this is not uh shoot they wouldn't let me pray at work or they took yeah. on the cross in the break room like this to me and again i'm not totally uh, i guess i kind of am like we we need to learn I think proper categories yeah. and maybe it's new language is what we need. But this idea that like we, we hold up what's happening in Iraq and taking down of 10 commandments in front of, a, and, we, and we call them both persecution. Right. I was like, can we agree though? Maybe same word, different dictionary is going on. <laughs> maybe here. a like, new word needed. <laughs> right. Or yeah. like different levels. Like this is level one persecution. This is level five yeah. or I don't know. And again, it's not a competition obviously, but like people are literally by the thousands being slaughtered 
And I wonder what that's like on the other end when they hear like American Christians being like, yeah, "Yeah, we totally hear you, man. We're also being persecuted. Like, do they hear that over there thinking, I don't think you know quite what you're saying, (laughs) actually. Like, I wonder what that's like to their ears and their sensibilities when they hear us talk about it. Yeah, I'm sure it would be frustrating. And, you know, I don't think we need to feel guilty about having it good over here, about having freedom. And so, therefore, this should also drive us to thankfulness. Like, okay, I'm thankful uh, but not thankfulness, and that then goes to forgetfulness. But thankfulness that we have the capabilities now to be praying for these people and to be uh, supporting. I don't know. I don't even know how to support these people, but mm. maybe begin to research. Are there ways that we can support? Are there things we can be doing with our government to force their hand? Whatever else it might be. But I would say the reason we bring this up is to say the answer can't be like, no, nah, other side of the world doesn't really matter. Right. Not not my problem. Exactly. And and. I mean, for me, that's often the way. And so Hmm. when you hear things or read things like the Iraqi Christians are uh, those of us who remain must be ready to face martyrdom. That's got to drive us to our knees. It's got to drive us to prayer uh, and 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 kind of wake us up a little bit. And uh, hopefully we've been able to do that a little bit for you. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like ultimately, you know, and I'm all for improving legislation Mm -hmm. and the Western church waking up. But ultimately, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need Correct. revival. We need breakthrough. We need we need stuff to change in big ways because, you know, it's not it's not a walk in the park here either for a number of different reasons. Like what what all of these things have in common is just human brokenness and darkness and no amount of like pontificating or radio shows or sermon. Exactly. None of that makes that go away. The Holy Spirit is the power that redeems and restores and heals. And I think as pastors, it is uh, humbling how quickly we can forget. that. Absolutely. And so. Those of us here in America and the West, let's be praying. Be praying for the Iraqi Christians. Be praying for the Middle East. And uh, let's make sure we're doing our part for our brothers and sisters who are facing some real uh, persecution. So uh, that we felt like that was important. Uh, coming up next, we're going to take a bit of a lighthearted right turn uh, and uh, ask this question. Are you a slow walker or a fast walker? And why does it even matter? That's what's coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We're glad that you're joining us today. What people probably have realized, but they don't actually know we do this on purpose, is that we alternate weeks on who, quote unquote, drives the show. I don't think we ever talked about that. Yeah, actually. I don't think. Somebody brought it up to me once. Like, why is Ian the one that's always coming so back much? from breaks? And I said, well, you <laughs> need to listen next week. Cause, and the reason we do that is because, A, uh, it, it kind of gives the show a different feel, but B, it, you know, it's a little more work to do the driving. So we kind of alternate each week. So, uh, yeah, I'm practically asleep right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're like, did we start the show yet? Uh, I thought I was just talking to you as a friend, but, so, <laughs> but sometimes I, you know, when, when you don't drive for a week, you get out of the habit of like the particulars and it just hit me. We haven't talked about the Facebook page, the text line, any of it today, cause I'm kind of out of practice. So let me give you some of that. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. You can text us at 68683. That's 68683. Type in CG followed by your comment. Uh, you can also find old shows online at 1160hope.com. And where is it they can find the podcast? 
Wherever they want. Everywhere. Literally. Everywhere. Climb There's... a mountain, it's there. <laughs> Go to a valley, podcast. Wherever <laughs> it is, you can find your podcast. Uh, search The Common Good, and there you'll find our smiling faces. And uh, we would ask you to subscribe, to rate. Uh, as Ian likes to say, it helps us somehow. We're not exactly sure how it helps us. <laughs> I could do the research, by the way, to figure out how. I just don't. We just hope people trust us that when we say it helps us, just know it helps <laughs> us. <laughs> It helps us. Oh, you're veering into some like pastoral stuff. Like, just, just, <laughs> just trust, trust me. me. <laughs> that should be the new name of the show. No, just trust me. No, gross. No. <laughs> gross. Uh, so that's where you can find our podcast. So that's all the particulars. Also, over the last couple of weeks, uh, you've been hearing us talk a lot about an organization that we both have come to believe in very much that we enjoy called Food for the Poor. And um, we had Paul Jacobson, I believe, two weeks ago. And uh, Todd Chapman's going to be in for a little bit tomorrow. We're going to talk to him again. Uh, and we're trying to raise money for food for the poor, not for the sake of their organization, but because all the money that comes in, I believe, if I remember right, Paul Jacobs told us 95% of the money that comes in That's right. uh, goes to help the humanitarian crisis in Haiti. Uh, it it uh, provides food for a year and water for life. And uh, it, you're literally changing the lives of kids. You're changing the lives of entire families. You're actually changing communities with these wells and this water. Uh, and so what we ask you to do is to go to 1160hope.com, click on the banner. And if you're able, you give um, you can give to support a kid. You can give to support an entire family. You can give to support and save multiple children and multiple families. Uh, and so we'd ask you to do that. Go to 1160hope.com uh, and click on the banner, and there you can uh, you can help food for the poor. And so we're excited for that. Uh, we're excited to talk to Chad, Chad, Todd Chapman tomorrow. He'll have great stories and be good to go. Well, again, uh, before we went to break, we said kind of a lighthearted story. Let me read uh, the headline for you. Fast walkers live at an average of 20 years longer than slow walkers, a recent study find. It said researching a pool of, this is no small deal, 500,000 people. The study found that fast walkers lived an average of 20 years longer than their slow-paced counterparts. A, I want to know, does that surprise you? We'll get to the reason why here in a minute, but does that surprise you? And what kind of walker are you? <laughs> Talk about lighthearted. I, uh, my wife, uh, is she epitomizes for me the fast walking. It's amazing. She's shorter should make than you I happy then. She, it really does. But I, I thought that I was like a fairly average walker mm. until I started dating her. And I was like, I cannot keep up with this I girl. I'm totally with you. Really? I can't keep up to my wife. I'm, like, I'm, I'm kind of a fast walker. And it does surprise me a little bit because when I first saw this headline, I I assumed that f- there was like a linkage between fast walking and stress. Yes. That people are like if they're always walking fast, it means they're always kind of in a hurry. They're always. And I thought that it would have the opposite effect yep. than what the article is presuming that they're actually more fit regardless of their weight, regardless of their physical fitness. Fast walkers just live longer, which does kind of surprise me. But I will admit that uh, when I was spending more time in the city, slow walkers drove me crazy, especially mm. the ones that kind of like meander left to right and they're like pointing at buildings and you're, you know, you're trying to like get somewhere. Um, but I, I mean, now, you know, we go for family walks and my 18 month old, my 19 month old does not want to be in the stroller at all. Really? And he, he uh, insists on like helping push the stroller. 
So with my four month old, he'll like, but now we have to walk at like a snail's pace. Like to go around the block takes us an hour and a half because he, he wants to be a part of it. And it has given me a new appreciation for the kind of stop and smell the roses mentality that we talk about a lot because Owen literally will, he stops to like pick up sticks and hand them to me. And he wears his little fedora just like his dad. And like he's always, it's always blowing off and he has to go like waddle over to get it. <laughs> so like a trip that I could get through in 12 yes. minutes now takes me an afternoon. And I, I kind of love it. I'm not going to lie. That's awesome. There is something to uh, stop and smell the roses, right? Yeah. There is something when there's time for leisure, leisurely stroll. But man, I have always been a notorious slow walker. Let me tell you this story. When I was in high school. <laughs> When I was in high school, I remember walking with a friend of mine, this one girl. We were walking after class and just talking and walking. You know, in high school, you're, you you got to get the, from one class to another, but just kind of stroll and probably going to lunch or something. And all of a sudden, this teacher comes up behind us and literally just starts yelling at us. And we turn around and there's this whole like, it's almost like this horde of people because they were they couldn't get by us. And we were walking so slowly. <laughs> Gosh. And this teacher just bar- barrels by us. I man, this study scares me because I am just a notoriously slow walker. And <laughs> the payoff's not that great because in the end, they're saying the reason for this is because people who walk quickly, regardless of age, regardless of weight, regardless of this, are just more physically fit because they're walking oh, more quickly. Okay, and, and I would say, well, I'd love to see what the difference is between a slow walker and a no walker. <laughs> Somebody who doesn't walk at all. Or a white walker. <laughs> Oh, you don't watch Game of Thrones, I so you don't, don't. You don't even get the reference. All right, forget that, it. Forget that, just, it. that just felt like, oh, no, just kidding. That was good. <laughs> what I would say, although, is, uh, is, is uh, as I get older, this is not even part of the study, I've realized that I just like walking. Like people, some people in their younger like, I like to go for a run. I like to take my dog and walk around the neighborhood. Really? And just kind of stroll and think about life. Like that's become my exercise. Yeah, like a jumpsuit, like a, like a neon <laughs> jumpsuit that you like to wear. <laughs> sweatbands. <laughs> Actually, don't even answer that. I just I want to stick with that picture in my head of you. Neon sweatbands. You clearly like, weren't <laughs> in my church this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine you holding like two teeny tiny like pink weights in your hands as you're like, why <laughs> not walk, walk around? <laughs> Here's the biggest one that I I love is the people who for physical fitness fast walk the mall. Oh, I worked in the mall. Those people are no joke, man. They they show up at because I worked at a coffee shop in the mall. So you have to in be the mall and there's like a pack of 40 of them that would just power walk the whole mall, which is kind and of this a is a move. thing. It's oh, actually yeah. a thing, especially because, you know, I was outside Detroit. So like winters are brutal. Yeah. They, it was like five months where they, you know, they couldn't go outside to do this. So they were just, the mall was free. They all had like a club. It was kind of amazing. In fact, I have, I, I really can't wait for the day that I'm like retired and I can join like a mall walking crew or a posse. I just think that'd be so fun. I do. I can't tell you how many times I, I think to myself, I can't wait to be retired so that I can do this. <laughs> Mall walking's one. Also being at like that 5.15 a.m. group of old guys who sits at McDonald's. Heck, oh, heck That yes. is going to be my Holy. tribe. <laughs> We're complaining about the Utes and the, all, the, all the digitals. Well, I'm with already the doing that. <laughs> That's a good point. But now instead of doing it into a microphone, I'll do it into an Egg McMuffin <laughs> at McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, I could bring you an Egg McMuffin if you want. Oh, you could do that and we would be friends. We are friends, but we'd be better <laughs> we friends. We would be friends. So the takeaway, friends, walk quickly every now and then in your life. Uh, it will be good. Good takeaway. One hour, one hour done. Coming up next on The Common Good, we're going to talk about Donald Trump. We're going to talk about our role for praying for our leaders. That's what's next on The Common Good on AIM 1160. Hope for your life. 
It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome back to The Common Good on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, joined as always by Ian Simpkins. We're excited that you're here with us today. You can follow us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. You can find old shows online at 1160hope.com. Also at 1160hope.com, you can go there and see more, get more information about uh, helping our campaign for Food for the Poor. And you can click on the banner there and help with that humanitarian crisis in Haiti. You can help sponsor kids, sponsor entire families uh, with food for a year uh, and water for life. And so uh, I can't think of a better thing that you could do uh, with that amount of money than do that. Uh, You can also find our podcast wherever it is podcasts are found for you. (laughs) That sounded weird. Wherever (laughs) it is podcasts are found. (laughs) Like it's a special mystical place. Wherever it is you subscribe to podcasts, we are there. You can find us by searching The Common Good or The Common Good Radio Show. And uh, you can always text us at 68683. That's 68683. Type in CG followed by uh, your comment. So every now and then, uh, you and I like to just kind of interact with emails we get as pastors or things we see online. Uh, and I received uh, an email and also saw on Facebook this week uh, a special message from Franklin Graham. This was out of Samaritan's Purse. So Franklin Graham, he is he still runs Samaritan's Purse, right? I believe so. I think so. Uh, I believe he still runs Samaritan's Purse. They do lots of great work. Uh, and it's titled this, Christian Leaders Call for a Special Day of Prayer for the President on June the 2nd. So on Sunday, June the 2nd, uh, he writes a special message. He writes a letter. He says, I'm asking followers of Christ across our nation to set aside next Sunday, June the 2nd. So now it's this Sunday as a special day of prayer for the president, Donald J. Trump. Uh, he writes, President Trump's enemies continue to try everything to destroy him, his family, and the presidency. In the history of our country, no president has been attacked as he has, uh, I would parenthetically say that John F. Kennedy Jr. or Abraham Lincoln might have something to say about that, but oh that's for another day. Is, uh, I, is, is it though? I, I mean, come on, like if we're gonna. All right, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> I believe the only hope for him and this nation is God. This is a critical time for America. We're on the edge of a precipice. Time is short. We need to pray. For God to intervene, we need to ask God to protect, strengthen, encourage, and guide our president. And he goes on to keep talking about this. And so as this was sent to me, or as I saw this online, uh, I was I was very much left with two very different uh, thoughts and emotions. And so before I give those, I'm curious, just... You, you can just what was your reaction upon reading this? I didn't know about this till you told me just now. So <laughs> just, I'm going to need a little time to process. Why don't you share? And then I'm I'll glad sh- to do that. <laughs> I am glad to do that. Uh, first, I was excited about this. And, okay. and I think we should be as Christians uh, to say, yes, we should be praying for our leaders. We should be praying even, uh, for our president, for our congressman, for our governor, uh, Franklin Graham uh, cites First Timothy chapter two here that it says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence 
uh, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Uh, the first part of that of that verse I should have read said it instructs us to pray for those in authority. And so my first thought was, yes, okay. instead of all of the bickering and all of the back and forth, let's call people to prayer. Let's do that. Let's take that call seriously, uh, not just for the president, but also for the vice president, for our congressmen and our congresswomen, for our governor, for our mayors, all of it. Right in the Chicagoland, we just had a new mayor come into office. Let's be praying for her and. We saw last week there are people like raising up in Chicago to pray over her and pray for her. So that was my first thought. Like, you know what? I want to take uh, I want to I want to first attack this and from clear motives and say, yes, we should pray. We should pray. OK, so that's my first thought. My second thought. Hopefully you're having time to formulate your ideas here. <laughs> I think we're out of time. Uh, <laughs> my second thought is this. It feels really disingenuous. And uh. here's why. Uh I have been a pastor for all eight years of the last Democratic um, presidency. What right? was his name Barack again? Barack Obama. Okay. I was a, I've been a pastor, and I never received one of these emails. Mm. And I never saw one of these Facebook posts that said, we, our president is under attack we, from, from, certain, from the other side. Mm. He's trying his best. We've got to hold him up in prayer. And maybe, I'm, maybe those emails went out and I just didn't get them and I didn't receive them, but I didn't receive them specifically from Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse. Hmm. And so that's where um, the more cynical side of me comes out and says, friends, I want to challenge all of us to be praying, but let's not just be praying when it's the Republican president or the Republican governor or when it's just the Democratic president or the Democratic governor. Uh, we are called to pray for the authorities and pray for the politicians that we both agree with and don't agree with that we have voted for and not voted for. And so if, if I were able to talk to Franklin Graham, I would say, hey, man, I want to cheer you on. Great job. If President Trump loses the next election, are you going to send this out for the next one? Yeah, right. Or is this a little bit is this kind of partisanship and political maneuvering uh, cloaked in prayer? And if if we can say, no, it's not, I'm good with praying for my authorities regardless or for my politicians regardless, then I want to cheer this on. I want to go go for it. Let's let's rally our people. If this is let's just let's just kind of uh, get the Christians on the side of Donald Trump and say, hey, he's being uh, railed against and we're kind of cloaking in a prayer, then I've got a big problem with it. Okay, so let's say that. Let's say in some universe you actually get to have a sit down with Franklin Graham mm-hmm. and he actually says it's the latter. <laughs> he yeah. confesses to you in a moment of honesty. It actually is the latter. Yep. Do you still join in prayer on, on June 2nd, even though by your definition, the motives are all over the map? I would say that I would uh, I would probably urge myself and my people close to me and my people to prayer. Not on June 2nd. Oh, I really? probably wouldn't get behind his movement and okay. his organization if he were to say, uh, I'm doing this to rally support behind the president, not really to pray for him. Uh, if if he were ever to admit that, right. then I probably would say, you know, I'm going to sit June 2nd out. Right. Uh, but I am going to be reminded that I need to be praying for our president. I'm bad. You and I have talked about this. I don't pray for our politicians. I don't spend much time. I don't pray as a, in our church for them. I don't pray in my own personal time. Right. You're, you're confessing this. By uh, the way. I am. You're not. You're not holding this up as a standard. Nope. Republican and Democrat. I spend very little time in prayer for our leaders, and so that's why when he does this, I'm like, 
It does. It, it jogs my thoughts. It excites me. We should be people who are praying. Hmm. I just there's been enough political maneuvering, quite honestly, from Franklin Graham, but from other people on the evangelical side that my skeptical uh, antennas kind of raise up here and say, hmm, what's really the motive behind this? Right. And I'd, I'd want to kind of wrestle with motive. And I think we're going to learn motive by are we calling our people to prayer? Did we call them to pray for <laughs> Barack Obama? Right, right. And are we calling them to pray for our Democratic governor? here in Illinois right. for our democratic Congress people, or is our prayer just for the people that most evangelicals vote for on the Republican side? Yeah, and, and motive is, is really hard to decipher. Absolutely. You can, you can look in hindsight and say, well, you weren't doing that then. And again, maybe uh, he's grown. I was going to say, yep. these are all hypotheticals. You could say, yeah, yep. I, I actually really missed the boat with Obama. Absolutely. And for the future uh, presidents that I'm alive for, I'm going to rally behind. Like, yes, re- we've had plenty of that, even in our own, sermon writing where i'm sure we'd look back 15 years ago wow i really missed the boat on that topic or this path like i think of even paul in prison mm-hmm. and the christ followers saying hey a bunch of these people are preaching the gospel with false motives and paul says is the gospel going out well yep. then i'm going to rejoice all the more so yep. like that's a really frustrating response he's also a guy in chains so maybe yeah. maybe his perspective yeah. is unique but I think I think you're right there's a, a um a sentiment or a suspicion at least of some hint of religious nationalism that I think is in a lot of ways, the waters we swim in exactly. and it's hard for us to identify because it feels so normal for the cross and the flag to hold hands. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, like we love our country. Both, yes. I don't think either of us, would, we, we believe that we should be praying for our authorities, yes. Republican and Democrat, um, Christian and atheist, it, whatever that is, we, that needs to be our, our posture of prayer. Absolutely. It gets a little tricky as much as I agree with you to to make our decisions of action or interact inaction based on what we perceive to be someone's motives. Mm-hmm. Like if, if someone's like, hey, this guy's feeding homeless people, but we think his motives are off. Like, man, yeah. keep feeding homeless people, though. Like, even if yeah. his motives are screwy, yep. you know, if they're like that, that where do we draw the line then with how much we believe in our own assessment of someone's motives? Yep. Um, but I do think just just to tie it all up, I, I think your suspicions are spot on. Yeah. So uh, for the rest of us, Getting away from Samaritan's Purse and all this stuff, just be be uh, challenged to pray for our leaders. We are called to Absolutely. pray for our leaders and not just the leaders we like or agree with. We are called to pray yes. uh, for our leaders. So if that's all that comes out of this, then great. Yep. Let's let's totally. do that totally. uh, as men and women of Christ. Uh, well, coming up next, we're going to talk about a teacher who was ordered to stop praying with her class before lunch going to talk about that story and uh, what are our thoughts on it that's what's coming up next on the common good on am 1160 hope for your life welcome back to the common good on am 1160 hope for your life my name is brian Fromm alongside ian simpkins i like modest mouse here <laughs> yes. Four and a half months. That's he so inside it. baseball for people right there. I like Modest Mouse here. This song right here, every time it plays as one of our one of our rejoins, Ian always says, "Who is it?" And I'm like, "I have no idea." Oh, so man. now I've in my mind, I'm like, "One of these is Modest Mouse. One of these." I'm being totally legitimate. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. You'll never forget that that song is Modest Mouse. Oh, I'll forget tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm less. Impressed. Are they still a band? Is this a? Oh, I have no idea. You have no idea. No okay, clue. but I got it right. I'll look so it up right now. The modest mouse. Uh, <laughs> not anyway, the, not the just modest mouse. 
<laughs> oh, dear. What have, what have we started? You, what have you created? <laughs> you can follow us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show online at 1160hope.com. You can find our uh, podcast wherever it is you download podcasts. Re- uh, subscribe, write a review. Uh, that would be helpful to us. And you can always text us at 68683. That's 68683. Type in CG followed by your comment. Uh, did you find out? Modest Mouse still going? Yes, 1992 to present. Wow. Right? Just blessing us with their music. <laughs> okay. We're All excited. Right. All right, calm down. <laughs> blessing us with their... You didn't know who they were, and now they're blessing you. They <laughs> I still don't know who they are. It's just one of those things like how they teach now in school to just like it's just short-term memory. Like that's what it's going to be for me now. Oh, my short-term, long-term, both are shot for me. I have no... You ever had someone tell you a story about you that you don't remember? I do. Like, Brian, remember yes. the time that you did this thing? You're like, are you sure that was me? And like eight people are like, yeah, Brian, we were all there. We have video. Uh, to be honest with you, somebody did this last week about <laughs> something you and I talked about on the radio show. They were like, hey, you were talking about this yesterday. I'm like, mm. nah. Like, remember the story about this? You're thinking of Carl Clausen. Uh, <laughs> 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 no? <laughs> that, that doesn't... <laughs> Well, it's been fun doing the show. See ya. <laughs> Pointing people to other people's shows. That's great. It's good for business. People, yeah, but check out this Carl guy. <laughs> Who is this Carl guy? But yeah, no, somebody was telling me about uh, something you and I talked about, and it was like two days before, and I'm like, nope. Uh, uh, really? We talked about that? <laughs> two days prior, and yeah. you're like, I have no recollection nope. whatsoever. I walked out, looked at my kid, and I'm like, who are you? Like, again, so... <laughs> Anyway, you just walk around with children you don't recognize. It is. That <laughs> gets a in trouble. Practice, man. <laughs> Louise. So we came across this story and just how we always talk about kickers. Uh, or people don't know what our kickers are. The end of the sto- uh, the end of the show when we do funny stories. It's always about Florida. It's always there's a guy it's in Florida about Florida. It feels like recently we're constantly doing stories about religious freedom or kind of pushing the envelope in Alabama. Like Alabama appears to be the hotbed of all things right now. And that's the case in this one. We have this story. Let me uh, basically read this story, a little bit of it. And uh, and then we would love your feedback. Also, uh, we'll post this article later. We would love to have you comment on it or text us. Teacher ordered to stop praying with children before lunch. A first grade teacher who prayed with her class before lunch every day has been told to stop due to a complaint from a parent and an atheist organization. The unidentified teacher in Birmingham, Alabama, led her first grade class in prayers each day at lunchtime, according to a letter from the Freedom from Religious Foundation to the school superintendent. The teacher also allegedly taught her students Bible verses and Christian Songs And so this was found on ChristianHeadlines.com, uh, this story. But wondering, uh, as you read this story, what are just what are the thoughts for you? Do you think she should have been stopped or do you think this is a case of religious freedom, uh, her religious freedoms being taken away? Uh, what are what do we think about this? I mean, this is a public school, correct? Correct. Emphasis on the word public. Mm hmm. Much like Alabama public television. Mm-hmm. Do you see where I'm going with this? I do, for people who listened last week. <laughs> That's right. If they didn't, they're like, is he just picking states at random? Um, I think uh, they're, for me, it's surprising, particularly because this is from Alabama. So if you remember from last week, the story about uh, Arthur 
and the episode that was going to be airing uh, a gay wedding and they they just took it off the air entirely. Mm -hmm. Um, This feels like the other side almost of that philosophical ethical debate. If this is a public school, um, does this teacher have legal rights to teach Christian songs, to teach Bible verses and to pray with their students? All things that I love, by the way. But I also work in a church. Like, mm-hmm. it, are there certain things that protect students uh, in the case that they don't share these religious convictions? And uh, I don't know. Th- to me, ah, this isn't quite the same, but we were just talking a couple segments earlier about Christian persecution, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Particularly like in Iraq, where yeah. Christians are just being martyred mm-hmm. by the thousands. I sometimes read stuff like this and I think, can we all just calm down a yeah. little bit? Like, uh, okay, so maybe. Maybe it's unprecedented in a place like Alabama, but I, I I think it probably is inappropriate without written consent and permission from the students, from the administration, for her to be le- leading in prayer and teaching. But like, if she wanted to start a religious club, right, get the go through the the proper yep. approval process. I don't know if you're able to do that as a teacher or not in the state of Alabama, but um, yeah, I, I I think honestly they're probably right in. Uh, Tightening the reins a little bit here. How dare you? Uh, (laughs) So, uh, oh boy, you and I have talked uh, at nauseum the fact that I've got three kids, freshmen in high school, fifth grade and fourth grade, and uh, all of them go to the public school. And I love the fact that all of them go to the public school. We love our public school. We go to Lester Elementary School in Downers Grove, and my daughter's at Downers Grove North High School. Uh, But when you put your kid in the public school, you're signing on for a couple things. And one is, quite frankly, that that there is going to be a separation between and feel free to tell me if you think I'm wrong about this, people. But I think you sign on to there being a separation between their education and and uh, the bringing in of religion. And like you said, there are opportunities. So my daughter goes to Downers Grove North High School. She goes in the morning, uh, she could go every week. She doesn't go every week, but she could go every week to an FCA meeting at Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Right. Uh, Young Life is in there. They can go. You could get connected to Young Life. There are clubs, like you said, like sometimes we build this world that we live in. That's like everything about Jesus is being kept out of the schools. My daughter in her global <laughs> class, her social studies class, learned all about the beginnings of Christianity. Wow. Also learned all about the beginnings of Islam yes, and Buddhism. Right, it right. was a class that she is taking her final today. Right. Uh, right. In, uh but I don't think there's a place for teachers in a public school to be leading their kids in prayer. And here's why I feel this, even though I am a pastor and my kids are being raised to follow Jesus, like you'd be like, well, don't you want your kids praying? Yeah, but I don't want their Muslim teacher leading them in Muslim prayers. Hmm. I don't want their uh, Buddhist teacher leading them in that. I don't want their atheist teacher telling them why their faith is is ridiculous. Hmm. Just because Christianity is still the majority doesn't mean that we get like carte blanche to be like, okay, yeah, but we can teach our songs and pray our prayers. Right. I don't want my kids being taught things in the schools that is more the responsibility of me as the parent or or the church to teach them. And if we feel that way about Muslim prayers and songs or um, or Buddhist or atheist or Jewish or whatever, we've got to. The same umbrella is under which Christianity falls. Yeah, right. And so, therefore, if you're okay with this teacher praying and teaching Christian Bible verses and Christian songs, you have got to be okay with the Muslim teacher doing the same thing. And because I'm not, then I've got to stand up and say, you know what? The people who don't believe in Christianity, their kids shouldn't be 
uh, forced to do this if they're not comfortable with it. And so to be honest with you, when I read a headline that says teacher ordered to stop praying with children before lunch, I go good. That that's good. I like that protection Hmm. because I want that protection for my children uh, around faiths that aren't my own as well. But it's di- it would be different for you as a as a parent if they, if it was a kid that was learning about these prayers, well, right? Absolutely. Like if you Histor- learn, you know, the, uh, so the Muslim prayers, that's called, it's called the Salat, right? Mm-hmm. Five times a day. Like your kid learning about, oh, why five times? Why do you face this direction? Why is this? In the same way that we could walk, you know, walk students through the Lord's Prayer. Yep. I imagine you'd be okay with that. It's more the like leading in one practice at the isolation of the others. So in my daughter's class, like if they're learning about Islam or, or like you said, Muslim prayers, I'm okay with her learning about them. Where do they come from? Where then hmm. I'm not okay with the teacher now saying, now let us pray <laughs> and go and lay and doing that. The same way I hope my, when they're teaching about Christianity, they're teaching about Jesus and they're yeah. teaching about from a historical way and that, but, but not going, okay, now let's pray the Lord's prayer together. So like why do we freak out like, about this so much? Why do we, why do we, we run think, to feeling like something's being taken from us? Because because it is different than probably it was in past generations. Uh, ah. We were a much more Christian majority. And so we're it feels like anything being taken away is a loss of some sort. It's a loss that we're less Christian. They're taking away religious freedom when I don't think we see it from the other side. And so, you know, I, I, I want my kids protected from this in, in non-Christian ways. And so uh, I, we have to afford people who aren't Christian the same protection if yeah. you want it. Otherwise, it's a free-for-all, and yeah, it depends right. on the faith of that teacher, and I'm not comfortable with that. That's so. the right barometer, right, yeah. to, to as a parent say, okay, would I be okay if the tables were exactly. reversed here? And you knowing in your gut, I wouldn't be. I would not be. So I need to be. This is the thing I appreciate about you. You and a lot of our stories come back to the same conclusion, like talking about this day of prayer. Like, okay, if I wouldn't be okay with it from this perspective, then let's at least be consistent. Let's be level. Let's have integrity in all these areas. Yeah, and if you really want your kids to be prayed over and this and that, there is a lot of great schools you can find at (laughs) halfpriceschools.com. Great private Christian schools. Is there a catch? (laughs) There is no catch whatsoever (laughs) at halfpriceschools.com. Well, coming up next, we like to give you stories that are feel-good stories every now and then, and we're going to tell you one of those stories about what two students from Kentucky did to help uh, people in need in their community. That's what's coming up next on The Common Good. A name eleven sixty. Hope for your life. Welcome back to the Common Good on AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. We post articles that we discuss, like the last one about the teacher not being not being able to pray with her students. Uh, would love your feedback. Uh, do you think we're right on our take, or do you think we're off base? Uh, you can find those at Facebook. You can also find old shows at 1160hope.com. Also, our podcast goes up every day right after the show is over. You can find that wherever it is you get your podcasts. And lastly, you can text us at uh, 68683. I had a brain cramp. I was forgetting the number there. 68683. Brain cramp. I like that. Yeah, 68683. Type in CG followed by your comment. Before we do that, let me remind you of a great event that's coming up. So Greg Laurie, Phil Wickham, Lecrae for King and Country. You could win the chance to see them all live this August. Just enter to win now at 1160hope.com slash contest. We're giving away a trip for two to SoCal Harvest 2019 in Anaheim, including airfare, hotel, and get this, a $700 Visa gift card. (laughs) 
You're like, I'd buy diapers and that's it. I'd buy two packs of diapers and then all the money would be gone. <laughs> It'd be all gone. Jeez Louise. You could get a free copy of Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn's book, Jesus Revolution, just by entering. So register now at 1160hope.com slash contest. That's 1160hope.com slash contest. Do you think you and I can win? Or are we like, because we work here, we can't win? I, I've uh, I've opened 12 fake email addresses. <laughs> <laughs> All under your name, though. So if I get caught, I guess I kind of just confess that. No, we are not able to win, so we cannot go. Sorry. Phil Wickham, he won. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Wickham won. Add that $700 to my rider. Amazingly. So we'd uh, yeah, encourage you. That's a great trip, and everything seems to be covered. And you get a, you get a free book just by entering. So go to 1160hope.com. Slash contest. Well, uh, we we love to share stories here that we find that are heartwarming and are like we where we can just cheer people on. Sometimes it's churches, sometimes uh, it's organizations, but a lot of times it's just individual people. And you were telling me off air that like one of the reasons you love stories like the ones we're going to do, because it's like students doing it. Yes. Students going like, all right, you adults are just arguing. You're not getting right. it. You're not getting to the problem. Uh, so we're going to get at it. And I that's one it. of these stories. Why don't you tell us this story out of Kentucky? So the story, as you mentioned, is a real feel good. Um, but essentially, it's out of Kentucky. And a number of students had had realized that for other students that get free to reduce price meals, that the weekend was still an issue. Mm-hmm. And summer. And yeah. summer, right? Which seems so obvious. Again, the fact that students are even like mindful of this issue, like I don't know how you were as a high schooler or a middle schooler, I was oblivious to the needs of the students around. I mean, I was homeschooled, so that's a little different, I guess. But (laughs) But the point (laughs) remains, when you're in high school, you're pretty self-absorbed. Yeah, right. So one of the students, um, her name is Cassie, and she said, this is way bigger than I thought. It made me start thinking that we need to spread awareness to other people who are like me that know there is something wrong, but not how big of a problem it actually is, which is such... Uh, an important sentiment that, you know, a lot of times we kind of live in our very narrow worlds and we maybe have a sense that there's need out there, but yeah. she's kind of having her mind blown. Kind of like when you go on your first mission strip, you're like, wait, people live like this. Yes. And rather than just sort of grieve or, you know, move on, they decided to do something about it and uh, opened up a food truck. So they, they won a uh, prestigious district grant of $10,000. And as a result, they were able to develop a fully functioning food truck which possesses the capability to serve fresh, hot meals to hungry, hungry kids. And uh, again, like you said, this is part of what got me into student ministry in the first place because so often it feels like you know the adults just talk things to death. Mm. The students are like, nope, here's a need. We're going to go after yes. it. $10,000 grant. We're, and they're doing it. And it's like... To me, it's feel good on so many levels, not just because they're providing meals, which is, you know, an inc- that's an incredible feat. But the fact that they were driven by compassion, it's not yes. like some experiment or some teacher guilted them to do it for, a, you know, a project. They're like, nope, these are our friends. This is our community. And we're going to make we're going to make something happen. Yep. And it reminds me of a couple of things. One, like you said, just the 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 idealism of students going, we can fix this problem. We can go yeah, at right, it. Right. Instead of like, okay, we've got a, all this red tape or whatever. Just, they're just like, let's get a food truck and help our friend, help our friends or just our classmates. It is also a reminder of something we talk about often that like these kids didn't go out and be like, we are going to solve all of uh, the food issues in the state of Kentucky. Right. And sometimes we can think in those terms and like, well, what can I do about uh, you know, all of this food issues and with poverty in Kentucky, they're like, no, we're going to deal with our school, our classmates. We're going to go at this with the best way we know how, and maybe it'll grow into something more. And in fact, the end of the article, 
says that building on the district's current feeding program, the pair said they hope to increase the number of those served by at least a couple thousand. Uh, like, that's crazy. Yes. But I doubt that when they started this, when they got the idea, I doubt they were like, let's feed thousands upon thousands upon thousands of students. Instead, I bet they said, hey, there's an abandoned food truck. Let's try to get some money and go at this. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that's the thing. Like, uh, the teachers that are getting behind it, too, are saying hunger isn't just like a, a physical need. It actually affects the brain's capacity to learn, right? Which, as an educator, like, I'm concerned about that part as well. And I think, for me, what I love about like working with students is they haven't had their idealism beaten out of them mm-hmm. yet. Like I remember a number of times, you know, we had a student ministry where we had like a Sunday gathering and I would preach and we'd have communion and we'd do an offering and everything. And they would surprise me by like their readiness to do what we just talked about yep. to the point where it would like catch me off guard. Well, you tell like tell a story about the things that are close to Jesus's heart. And then five students would say, okay, well, if that's true. Um, I got 20 bucks in an hour. Let's go. Let's go do it. Do that. And in my head, I'm like, Oh, no, I didn't mean for us to go do that. Uh, it was just a sermon. Today. Right. Like it, was, <laughs> it really kind of revealed my own um, doubt that people would actually be mobilized to action. So when I see students kind of unprovoked caring for people, and like you were saying, saying like, no, this is our school, our city. Like, I feel like that is so much of what when we talk about like the good old days of our country and our culture. I feel like therein lies a lot of the, the bedrock of this. Like, this is us. We are... You know, and I, I read a book uh, a couple years ago that kind of it tracked the following of of when we used to sit on the front stoop to the back patio, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. We put up these eight foot fences and like what that's kind of done to our societal structures, and that there used to be a whole lot more. Like, nope, this is our community, mm. and it feels like that is lacking in a lot of ways. And so when I read stories like this, I think, oh, that's right. This is what happens when we see. Hey, I don't care. If we share the same faith or if your skin looks like mine or we have the same whatever, we're in this together because we're neighbors, because this is our community and we're going to make something happen to better care for you. And hopefully in five years when I need it, you'll care for me. And that's what it's like to do community together. And I just, I don't know. I think we're, we're really in need of that as a culture. And I think as adults, we can be reminded that we do a disservice when we're like, oh, all these high school kids just want to play Fortnite and, you know, sleep in and not do anything like this is the students and kids uh th- they can really be at the front edge not 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 us leading them but they can lead us into ways to make totally. a difference and make totally. I mean I've told the story my daughter is a freshman in high school and her and her friends give of time in school uh to to just be really loving and cool to the special needs kids at their school and like I didn't tell her you have to do that she's not doing that for like a prize or much. she's just doing it cuz they have they have compassion and then, and as I watch her and her friends or I read stories like this, you're reminded that students often they're not jaded yet. They've yet to get to the point where they're like, you know, really cynical and where they're like, oh, yeah, well, there's kids in need and there's a food truck here. Let's try to raise some money and go feed some people like that's awesome. Yes. And it's got to be challenging to those of us. Uh, who are older, who are a little more jaded, like, ah, what could I do to help feed kids? Like, <laughs> right. no, it's not often rocket science. Sometimes right. it takes some work, takes some creativity, but maybe we follow the lead of the students on this one. Well, and that Andy Stanleyism that I've always loved, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Yeah. You know, so often, like you said, we just see that the issue is so big that we it kind of cripples us and we do none of it. And I've often said, I don't think students are like the leader. They're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of right now. And I really do think we need to stop talking about them uh, in the ways that they're deficient. Like, Mm. ah, their brains aren't fully formed. Do they haven't actually paid a mortgage? Like, that's fine. Like that. 
Since since when did we? How old were the disciples when they were called? I know mm-hmm. it's a different time, a different culture, and blah 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 blah. blah but we create these invisible categories. Like yep. one day you're going to be a great leader because well, she's 17. She's not a great leader right now. Right, like right. she's doing more to feed the poor in her community than you are. Yep. Like we, I don't know. I'm just really ch- I'm like we. You know, in Naperville they started a a ministry at more than a decade ago called food fight. And it was just a bunch of students and they hold like benefit concerts to help eradicate wow. world hunger and to raise student leaders. And it became this whole movement started by students. Like I, th- I think as adults, we would, we could do, we would do well to learn more yes. from the passion and even honestly, some of the idealism of students, because no I'll admit at 36, Sometimes the uh, the light can flicker a little yep. bit, and uh, hearing stories like this kind of fires me up. I mean, I think in today's show, you can go back and listen to the podcast. I think on three different segments, I used my word. I used the word about me cynical, yeah, or right. jaded, yeah, right. That's true, and uh, <laughs> that's that's a good warning. So, love these feel good stories mostly because they cheer all of us on and spur all of us on to to do good things. Uh, and to make a difference. Well, coming up next, we always like to end the show uh, with just some Internet insanity, some stories that were found on the Internet. The disclaimer is always we don't know these until we read them. Uh, so we are going to laugh or we are going to cry or we are going to be whatever right alongside <laughs> with you. So that's what's coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the Internet. <clears throat> Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, we've come to the part of the show where we like to land the plane and end it uh, just with some funny stories from the Internet. And so as our disclaimer, we are reading the sight unseen. Uh, that kind of makes them more fun. Our executive producer, Keith Conrad, has found all of these. He had the long weekend to really store them up. <laughs> yeah, so we're true. excited. But before we read that, uh, you've got something to share. I got a question for you, Brian. I'm ready for it. Have you been blessed by Through the Bible's five-year verse-by-verse study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee? Frequently. You've been frequently blessed by him? Correct. Are you lying to me? I am not. Okay, why not? Well, if you listening have been blessed, uh, let the ministry know how they've impacted your life. You can visit 1160hope.com slash letter right now. That's 1160hope.com slash letter. Through the Bible also airs weekday mornings at 5 and weekday evenings at 1030 only on AM 1160. All righty. So uh, let's go. Uh, you Alrighty. start. You read the first one. I, I, I almost lost my spot there because I'm so excited for these funny stories. I'm ready. I also left out the hope for your life. Maybe that's what's throwing me. Yeah, I get that. All right. This one's out of Oregon or Oregon, as if you incorrectly say. Um, <laughs> fleeing suspect puts wrong fuel in getaway car. Caught after tow truck call. Nice. Oh, no. If you're on the run from cops, be sure you know what kind of fuel you put in your car. They shoots. County Sheriff's Office arrested Jeremy Hatha. Jeremy Hatha Thomas, 34, of Shoreline, Washington, after his car became disabled when he put diesel fuel, which he stole, in his 2017 Chevrolet cruise that takes gasoline, authorities said. The incident unfolded after deputies responded to a domestic disturbance in Crooked oh, well, that's fitting, Crooked River Ranch, where Thomas's stepfather called to report that Thomas threatened and pointed a gun at him, according to police. The caller went inside his house and told dispatchers Thomas also fired the gun. Oh, I don't think I'm a lot dumber than you thought that I think that I thought I was once. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, second story, Florida. Oh, boy. A woman arrested for calling 911 because car was leaking oil on her driveway. Uh, I can understand this. <laughs> can understand A Gulfport woman was arrested after she allegedly called 911 because her brother's car was leaking oil on her driveway. 
Linda Sue Morgan, 55, called 911 on Monday after her brother parked a car in her driveway. She said the car was leaking oil and she wanted to clean it, but her brother refused to move the car. She called 911 so that the law enforcement would force him to do it. Morgan was arrested for making a false 911 call booked into the jail where she was previously being held on a $150 bond. She was released the next day. Uh, no, you got the wrong number. This is 912. <laughs> <laughs> All right, California. Forget burgers. Roadkill could be on the menu soon in California. Well, guess I'm not going to California. Nope. Memorial Day weekend is upon us, which it, it isn't, but you get the point. Uh, and that means burgers and hot dogs will be sizzling on grills across this great land. Californians may soon be able to add another item to the menu, roadkill, which, mm. sidebar, I used to have a menu that my dad got somewhere called the Roadkill Cafe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you remember this? I do. Okay. Lawmakers here are considering a bill that would legalize the collection of carry-on from the state's... Is that what it is? I guess. From the state's roadways, making California the largest of a variety of states that okay the practice. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know why they call this stuff Hamburger Helper. It does just fine by itself, huh? <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Nebraska man arrested after giving officers fake name while wearing lanyard with his real name. <laughs> Around 10.30 p.m. Tuesday, Lincoln police responded to reports of a domestic assault at a home. Before officers headed to the scene, they were made aware they'd be contacting a 26-year-old suspect named Markle Towner. Huh. who had two arrests. When officers arrived, they found a man matching Towner's description sitting in a vehicle outside the home. At, they asked him for his name. The man allegedly told officers his name was D'Angelo Towns. <laughs> but the officer said that they saw a lanyard around the man's neck with the name Markle Towner. When the officer told Towner that he was under arrest, a struggle ensued, and Towner began yelling. Uh, they grabbed, they got him, and they arrested him. <laughs> First, Mr. Samir... Not going to work here anymore anyway. I just love that his made-up name was D'Angelo. Yeah. Who's that quick of well, the Well, also his last name was Towner, and he went with Towns, Towns as yes. his fake last name. And his real name is Markle. Markle Towner. That story has all sorts of weird on it. All right, let's end with Florida. Why not? Florida. Also a pastoral story. Pastor won't give up. $1.7 million in illegal donations, calling them God's blessings. Amen, brother. Oh, amen. <laughs> Maybe you should read this one. <laughs> I can't get through this. A pastor in Florida is refusing to give up $1.7 million that rightfully belongs to victims of a massive $30 million Ponzi scheme, calling the money, quote, God's oh, blessings. Oh, look at the name of the church. Get it? What's the name of the church? Keep going. Keep reading. Uh, but those blessings didn't come to Winner's Church from God. I can't with Winner's this story. Winner's Church. Ugh. They came from a former church director who took advantage of people. And surprise, Pastor Fred Shipman thinks God wants him to keep the cash. Not if a judge has anything to say about it. hey oh. Good God. Yes, that's just what the Hebrews thought. <laughs> Welcome. Really good soundbite. We are now going to plant the new church. This is called Losers Church. (laughs) Those who want to gain their life will. There you go. All right. Winners Church in Florida. There you go. Well, it's been a good day. Hopefully, it doesn't rain uh, today. Get some dry out. But, man, it's been good to be together on this Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. This is The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.